At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome back, Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also chief of cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the chief population health officer at Baptist Health. Many of you may not realize that we human beings live in a symbiotic relationship with other organisms. Each one of us has trillions of bacteria and other microbes living within our intestines. This is known as the gut microbiome. It may sound a little frightening, but it's actually a good thing and a necessary thing. Healthy bacteria help digest food and keep the number of unhealthy bacteria in check. And in recent years, numerous scientific studies have looked into the connection between the health of your gut microbiome and things like obesity, diabetes, cancer, and more. I'm happy to welcome Dr. Seth Rosen back to the podcast. He's going to talk to us about the microbiome and the role of probiotics to keep our gut healthy. Dr. Rosen is a gastroenterologist at Baptist Health. He's the past chairman of the GI subsection, past vice president of the medical staff, and currently chairman of the extremely important Performance Improvement Steering Committee. Thanks for joining us, Seth. Thank you, John. So, Seth, let's get let's get right into it. A couple of level set concepts and definitions. First, tell us what is the microbiome? Just just define, you know, when we use that term and it's being used more and more. Um, what are we talking about? The microbiome is the collection of bacteria that live in the GI tract, predominantly in the colon. Uh, and it is billions and billions, if not trillions of bacteria that live there. Uh, they are necessary for healthy functioning. And it's a, a very normal, uh, a normal situation to have all of these bacteria from the time uh, shortly after you're born until you die. And when there's alterations in that, it can lead to illness. Um, and again, a couple of the illnesses that we threw out there, maybe you could elaborate. Where do you see the more common medical conditions that uh, we are now uh, doing a lot of research and, and raising interest regarding the role of the microbiome? Well, it's been talked about in a variety of uh, situations, most commonly in irritable bowel syndrome, where it seemed the balance of the organism seems to play a, a key role. It's also been uh, implicated in, in um, clostridium difficile uh, or pseudomembranous colitis, which you get after you've taken antibiotics. That's well-known, well-described. And those are really you, significant diarrheal illnesses, right? They produce significant... It's a very serious illness. Yeah. Uh, there have been talk about the balance of it in inflammatory bowel diseases, such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And it's also seems to play a key role in the immune, in the balance of the immune system in the body, and generalized inflammation in the body, and and in your specialty, yeah. it's been implicated. Uh, an imbalance has been implicated in possibly increasing inflammatory markers and leading to uh, heart disease. Right, we think the bacteria protect us against and provide a barrier against certain substances which otherwise can uh, be absorbed and cause inflammation and, and heart disease and, and cancer and, and even obesity, they're thinking that there might be a connection between why certain people can eat a food and their bacteria digest in a certain way that increases their absorption of the food and may lead to obesity and various other things. So 
It's just fascinating. Um, but taking it back to um, um, to the, what we really know, which again is in the GI uh, disorders, you did mention antibiotics and and possible consequences. So so tie this together a little bit as one of our pr- first points: um, the role of antibiotics, the risk of antibiotics, what what we see with the microbiome if someone, uh, well, what what we see with the microbiome in relation to antibiotic use. So whenever you take antibiotics, you're going to alter the bacteria balance. In your GI tract, antibiotics, especially the ones we use today, which tend to be very, what we call broad spectrum, broad acting against many different bacterial species, uh, will alter the balance of bacteria in the GI tract. And the result of that can, uh, can create different conditions. Some people, after they take antibiotics, will have, or during their, while they're taking antibiotics, will have diarrhea. Some will have gas and bloating. Uh, some will have constipation. And this is all because you've altered that, that very critical balance of bacteria that exist in the GI tract. Interestingly enough, a similar situation can occur when you've had a very severe gastroenteritis and some of that bacteria just gets washed, washed away from profuse diarrhea. And it can take, there's a very well-described condition called post-gastroenteritis irritable bowel syndrome. And that's, the theory is that that's because you've created, or the illness has created a a transient imbalance uh, in the balance of bacteria. And just to get a little esoteric, for years, people have wondered, why do we have an appendix? Since it seems to be a vestigial organ, uh, vestigial organ, that doesn't seem to have any purpose anymore. And one of the theories is, especially uh, during evolution, is the appendix was a reservoir to repopulate the bacteria in the GI tract after an illness. And uh, when, you know, certainly in our ancestors, there was a much more frequent uh, uh, illness from poor, poor hygiene, poor water, et cetera, uh, and the, the appendix may be a reservoir to repopulate healthy bacteria in the GI tract. It's just a theory, and it certainly hasn't been proven, but it's interesting. It's fascinating um, to connect these, uh, uh, these concepts. Um, but as you say, anything that might eliminate the healthy bacteria in the bowel, antibiotics, or other gastrointestinal illnesses um, are left with uh, consequences. So let, let, let's talk a little bit about now probiotics um, and maybe um, uh, dispel some myths, but also talk about some truths. Um, when we talk about a probiotic and if you want to get into prebiotic as well, give us a little, give us a little, uh, uh, little update and lecture on, on what a probiotic is. So probiotics are so-called healthy bacteria for the GI tract. There are literally dozens and dozens of probiotic uh, products on the market. They, they're many of them proprietary, they're generic, they extend with store brands, they come in, in brand names, uh, and they, they tout, uh, so many different millions of colonies in the, in the pill, in the capsule. They will tout, oh, we have this specialized combination of bacteria in our capsule. Um, first, the first thing people need to know is these are not treated as drugs by the FDA. The Food and Drug Administration classifies these as supplements or food supplements. And so they don't go through the same rigorous testing that a drug will go through. 
uh, the only requirement that a company has is to make sure that they're safe and won't harm people, but there is no requirement to show that there's truly a benefit to them. Now, some of the probiotics have done clinical studies and shown that there may be a benefit. And often these clinical studies are concentrating on a specific uh, disease condition, either diarrhea or irritable bowel syndrome, or perhaps even inflammatory bowel disease. But any of the probiotics that say, we will just improve your health uh, are probably lacking any solid scientific uh, evidence. So that, that was actually a great, great, um, um, uh, concise um, uh, review. FDA approval means that it's a medication. It has a medical benefit that's been proven. It has a safety profile that's been assessed. It's standardized in its delivery. And these are not FDA approved substances. They are supplements. But uh, to follow up on that, so you're talking about things that are sold and touted to be probiotic, and they may have an indication for certain conditions. What about natural probiotics? What about, do you ever sit with people who have particular medical problems and say, listen, if you eat more of this, you can have this benefit? Or you know, do you recommend any kind of dietary components that um, um, either are felt or shown to be a benefit? Well, I'll answer that in two ways. First of all, when I recommend a probiotic, and, and many patients will say, should I be on a probiotic? And I recommend probiotics when I want to treat a specific condition where I think the probiotic may be beneficial. And then I'll try and select the probiotic. And there's only a handful that there's really been clinical studies on. I'll choose one that, that where there's some data that supports treating that particular condition. Uh, so that's the first part. But the people who say, oh, I don't have any problems, they may come in for colon cancer screening, and they'll say, should I be on a probiotic? If they have no issues, then there's no particular right. reason for them to spend their money on a probiotic. Uh, they tend actually to be rather expensive, actually. Um, as far as dietary issues, one of the questions will be, well, I eat yogurt, and it says it's got probiotics in it. The problem is you can't eat enough yogurt <laughs> to really make a dent in your microbiome. Uh, there's just, there's not enough in the yogurts, the commercially produced yogurts. What has been shown are what are called prebiotics, which are uh, certain healthy foods that act to stimulate the growth of the healthy bacteria in the GI tract. Uh, certain fibers uh, are, are good for that. Somebody has looked at dandelion um, uh, extract, which is good for it. Um, uh, most of the you know, cauliflower and broccoli have all been uh, suggested to be healthy uh, prebiotics. And you can buy uh, supplements that are, are touted as being prebiotics, which they do not have probiotics in them, but they will uh, stimulate the healthy bacteria uh, in the GI tract. So my, my staple in my diet of eating purely yogurt, sauerkraut, and kimchi is not going to work. Uh, if, uh, if I, if I'm on, if I have a diarrheal illness from an antibiotic, huh? it's very sad. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's unlikely to, okay. um, there, there's actually, uh, to be play devil's advocate. Uh, there was a study that came out 
last year that questioned the efficacy of any probiotics in that you take a probiotic and it's got, you know, a couple of million colonies of bacteria in it. And you're talking about billions and billions in the GI tract or trillions. Does it make a difference if you take a pill every day with a couple of billion uh, colonies of bacteria in it, and it has to make its way through your GI yeah. tract to get to the, uh, the lower portion of your GI tract. And uh, some people have questioned whether it makes any difference whatsoever in, in scientific studies. The problem with the kimchi and the yogurt is that it has far less than what is, uh, yeah, what yeah. is in these little capsules. And so, no, you, you can't eat enough. <laughs> Although those are all healthy things right, exactly. and they, they might function, particularly the kimchi may function as a prebiotic. So yeah, no, I, again, I was going to get to that point is I think it's clear to the listeners that you and I are not advocating in any way, taking any probiotic supplements, unless maybe there's a particular medical condition, like you said, um, but certainly eating those foods that we just mentioned are not unhealthy. Um, and, and turning around a little, a different way, is there any danger to the probiotic supplements uh, in, in your mind, um, obviously, we're assuming it's 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 a, a company that's not that it doesn't contain something dangerous. I mean, is there anything particularly dangerous about a probiotic? There, there, there really there really is not. Uh, all the ones on the market, even the ones without any real scientific data to support their use, are, they're not harmful. And as I said, one of the criteria is they can't be harmful. They're not put through the same rigorous testing as a a drug agent or pharmaceutical agent, but they're not harmful other than to your wallet because so I tell people they, they have, I tell people they have very expensive stool. <laughs> they, they do because you're talking about uh, 40, 50, 60, 70 dollars yeah. a month. Uh, so it would be nice if you're really getting a benefit out of out of spending that money. Now, now part of the concept and one of the other reasons why I think, uh, again, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and I thought it might be of value is, um, you know, we've had other podcasts regarding inappropriate antibiotic use and the risk of that. And interestingly to the viewers and to the listeners, and you know this, there's actually a similar thought in chronic sinusitis, which is from antibiotic use of various things. It's an overgrowth of unhealthy bacteria. So might be some similarities to the gut microbiome. But having said that, um, so we know not to take antibiotics if we really don't absolutely need them. So let's say someone has to take a course of antibiotics and winds up with some diarrheal or GI type of issues. Number one, is it automatically C. difficile? Or if not, do you see that in your practice? And are there things you recommend um, to mitigate the consequences? Yeah, there's um, there's a couple of points here. First of all, not all antibiotic-associated diarrhea is C. difficile. Uh, very clearly, most of it is not. You can get diarrhea that's not C. difficile as a result of antibiotic use. Uh, to make a diagnosis of C. difficile, that needs to be specifically tested, and that's for a separate uh, conversation. Um, there are certain things that you may be able to do to decrease your risk. Number one, as you mentioned, only take antibiotics when they're, when they're absolutely necessary. We use way too many antibiotics in this country, and there's no question that, that there are, uh, there's detriments, as detri they're detrimental to the health when, it's, when they're overused. So that's the first thing. Another thing is there are many, many people who are on proton pump inhibitors, that's Nexium and 
uh, pantoprazole, protonics, prilosec, amiprazole, those are the proton pump inhibitors. They shut down acid in the stomach, which was a, one of our early first offenses against uh, bad bacteria. And it's been shown that people who are on this long-term may have more issues with their gut biome and in the setting of using antibiotics may be more prone to certain, uh, certain illnesses, including C. difficile. So I would say the same thing about proton pump inhibitors as antibiotics. Don't use them unless they're absolutely indicated. Uh, the third thing is you, there is one probiotic which has been suggested to help when you're on antibiotics or after you've been on antibiotics. Uh, when you're on antibiotics, most probiotics are not going to be effective because they're bacterial-based and the antibiotics are going to kill off some of the, many of the bacteria that you're, that you're paying to take in the probiotic. Uh, but there is one that is uh, yeast-based, um, and that has been shown to maybe decrease the risk of C. difficile uh, in certain settings. And some of us think that it may help just decrease the risk of antibiotic-associated diarrhea in general. And that one, because it's yeast-based, is, uh, is not a problem with, uh, with taking the antibiotics and the probiotic at the same time. Seth, this is great information. I mean, we could take it in so many further directions regarding uh, other types of organisms inside bacteria, like you mentioned, various other concepts of the gut microbiome. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have you back and maybe just focus on, on, on some of those additional topics. Anything um, you want to just add that uh, either I didn't, uh, that we didn't touch on or anything just to uh, reiterate? I, I would encourage people to discuss this with their physician uh, I, before they go out and spend a lot of money on something that maybe they don't need, uh, maybe is not going to, won't harm them, but maybe not give them any real benefit. But everyone should keep in mind the, the, key, it, the, the key role that the gut microbiome does play in healthy uh, metabolism and, uh, and, and, and gen good general health. Healthy, well-balanced diet, natural ingredients, don't use antibiotics unnecessarily. <laughs> That's Absolutely. Great. Well, great. For our listeners, here's a programming note for you. In the coming weeks, we'll bring you episodes on testosterone, cardiometabolic disease, the use of smart technology to monitor and care for patients remotely. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. And if you have a comment or a suggestion for future topics, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.